Wow. <laughs> that was absolutely beautiful, wasn't it? Fantastic. My goodness. That actually made me kind of emotional. Kaylin, thank you so much for that. Man, so cool. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, is anybody having a good time at church today? Man, God is so good. and I don't even know how I'm going to react today. I kind of feel like uh, I'm going through menopause or something. <laughs> I know. That was a really weird joke. Sometimes I can't help myself, but man, no, I just, there's so many swirling emotions going on right now, but it's also just a, a strong sense of the presence of Jesus in this room today for me. Anybody else there with me? Am I alone? Are you sharing in this experience today? And I want to thank Autumn for her boldness today. Can we just encourage her right now? Um, I know there's this lot of second guessing that happens sometimes when we step outside of our comfort zone. And, and you know, if you're new here today and you're like, I'm not sure what that was about, it's simply what happens when you come to a clear understanding and you receive a revelation of how much God loves you and what he's done for you. And, and it has such a profound impact on your heart that oftentimes it comes out in, in very expressive and emotional ways. And sometimes even some of us that are a little bit more reserved, uh, there's, there's a freedom and there's, a, there's an unleashing that takes place when we allow ourselves to express ourselves in ways that take us outside of our comfort zone. And so I do just wanna thank Autumn, both for her encouraging words, uh, but also for her obedience to the Lord. We're going to talk some more about this Jesus this morning. Anybody down for that? Right? We're going to talk some more about this Jesus that has made such a profound impact in so many of our lives that it causes us to do and say and act on things that we otherwise would not. And we are um, picking up here um, a uh, part three of this series entitled Home, and I just panicked for a second because I saw um, it says part two in my notes, and I was like, is this the right sermon for the day? And I believe it is because it has the correct title, but it's not part two, it's part three. So I think we're all right. Everybody say we're all right. All right. And so uh, we have been talking about restoring health to our homes today. And we've talked about how there's a clear and obvious assault against uh, the Christian family uh, makeup and construct in our nation today. And uh, we can look at statistics and we can look at scientific studies to show that um, how uh, the, the disintegration and the, the, the brokenness of families today has a di direct correlation with the direction we see culture going today, Right? Um, I mean, you can just start basically with the father, and, and if you um, interview uh, inmates uh, time and time again, the vast majority of them will express that they had a strained relationship with their father, an unhealthy relationship with their father, or no relationship with their father whatsoever. And so Satan has come against our families for uh, uh, many reasons, but a couple that we highlighted last week is that God created the family. 
And Satan hates everything that God does. And we also talked about how oftentimes um, he has a direct opposite, counterfeit, twisted version and expression of just about everything that God has created. And so he attacks families because he hates families. And he hates families because they teach us so much about God's heart and about his character. And so by destroying families, he can distort our view of God to the point where we either lose interest or worse, the image of him becomes so distorted that we turn away from him in an all-out rebellion. And rebellion is Satan's playground. When we find ourselves running from God, that's when he wreaks the most havoc upon our lives. And so this empowers Satan uh, when this happens. And so as family goes, so goes culture. And although there may be times where we take a political stance, I believe the way that God is going to primarily heal this nation is by healing our families. And it starts right here within the church. And so we're going to talk about something today that is, uh, I would have to admit, avoided um, by some churches because it's a difficult topic sometimes to tackle. It's a, a word that is avoided sometimes because of um, what's been attached to it, how it's been abused, um, how it's been taught on wrong, and how it's been applied wrong. And so uh, to give you, without further ado, let's just open up the scriptures here and let's look at uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 says, Wives... Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, how many of you, I lost you already. You're like, I'm ready to check out. I'm not ready to hear this message. Okay, none of you are admitting to it. My message this morning is entitled, The S Word. The S Word, being submit. And I want to talk to you this morning about how when we take a closer look at this word, we'll realize that submit is not a dirty word. The submit, although it may be a trigger word for many uh, because of your negative experiences and how maybe that word has been used to lord it over you and to control you and manipulate you, submission is not a dirty word. In fact, how many of you know that if it wasn't for submission, we would not have salvation? Jesus would not have died on the cross if he was not fully submitted. He, he, he uh, kneeled in a garden Uh, Hours before he would be unjustly arrested, tried, and murdered. And he prayed that God would take this cup from me, he says. In other words, if there's any other way to uh, make our relationship with humanity right again, please do it. But he followed that up with, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And it was such a beautiful uh, expression of submission to God and to the greater good. But few topics trigger people more than the topic of submission within homes, within families, especially in relationship to marriage. And so as a result, what happens so often, anytime there's a challenging teaching in God's word, there's a temptation to filter it through the lens of modern day culture. To to take the Bible and adapt it so that It fits the changing times. We don't do that here at the fountain. 
We don't do that here at Fountain of Life because we understand that God's word doesn't change based on culture. God's word changes you and we change culture as we apply it to our lives. And that's why it's life-giving. That's why it's powerful. That's why it's so transformational because it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God does not go back on a single Word. God wants to this morning, I believe, piece back together what was broken by taking us back to his original design for families. And submission is one of those topics we have to tackle in order for the Word of God to do its work. How many of you know that the Word of God is powerful, right? But when you don't apply it to your life, you rob it of its power. It has to be applied in order to take effect. And so we're going to open up by having a short discussion at our tables, uh, and we're going to ask these questions. What do you think of when you hear the word submit? What sorts of feelings, uh, what sorts of memories, what sorts of emotions does it invoke? And then also, why do you think it's important for us to know when and how to submit? Okay, so let's discuss at our tables, and we're going to find out what the Word of God teaches on this subject. All right. I wish I could have been a, a fly on the centerpiece at each of your tables. Because um, when, when I'm asking this question this morning, I was like, it's either going to create a lot of awkward silence or a lot of conversation. And so I'll be interested to hear some feedback from our table hosts after the fact. Um, at my table, we made, um, I think, a, a, an important connection between submission and humility. I think that was a great thing that was brought up by two people at our table. But see, the family construct, the way that God has designed family, it's made up of biblical roles that everyone has. And so without the ability to submit to those roles, then what happens is those roles fall apart, and so does the family. I mean, imagine being uh, in a military where everyone was of equal rank. How would that work out, right? Uh, would stuff get done? William, would stuff get done that way? No, <laughs> it would not, right? So sometimes, um, you know, you, you can get all caught up with, is this person qualified to lead me? Um, I, I wonder, William, can I ask you just a yes or no question, not to put you on the spot? Did you ever have a, a superior that you felt like you were more qualified than, or maybe you felt like they didn't know what they were doing? It, raise your hand if it's a yes. Okay, all right. All right, so we have some other people that have been in that situation. Uh, but William, one more question. Did you still follow this person's orders? If it's a yes, raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> All right, we're, we're going to find out later if there were any consequences to that. <laughs> but you can see how, especially what if it was in the heat of battle, right? And uh, you've got somebody who's got a ranking above you, but you think, I know better, how that could create some chaos and create some problems, not only between you and the person in authority, but in the rest of the unit. And that's the way that families work as well. And the very fact that, I, I believe this, this is something I was praying about this week, the very fact that we have a hard time sometimes submitting can be a sign that we don't see ourselves as equals. And I think that's ironic, especially when you look, not to get too political here, but the big feminist movement that's going on right now, uh, a lot of that is, um, I, why should I 
have to submit. And I think it, by making that very statement is, is saying that, like, that person's not good enough for me to submit to them. And so sometimes I think in this, in this search for equality, we're actually measuring ourselves and comparing ourselves with people, which is, I think is just one of those ironic things that we sometimes do. And sometimes you might hear a wife, for an example, say, I'd be happy to submit to my husband. Or you might have an employee say, I'd be happy to submit to my boss. Or a child say, I'd be happy to submit to my parent. But they've got to earn it. They've got to, I've got to know that they're treating me right. I've got to know that, that they're taking care of me the right way. And then I'll submit. Well, let's take a look here at what the scriptures say about some of these uh, relationships with people in authority over us. And so what we're going to do today, this is not actually a husband and wife message yet. Because I felt like God was saying, you can't move on into the roles of family until we tackle this word submit. And so we're going to take a close look at what the scriptures teach us about submission. And so here's an example here found in Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 25, where Jesus is talking about the difference between godly leadership and worldly leadership. And he says this in 25b, about halfway through verse 25, it says, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. How many of you think it would be hard to submit to those types of authorities in your life, right? Uh, how many of you have ever experienced someone leading you that way? They are flaunting and they are lording it over you. And it would be so much easier to submit to them if they weren't like that. And in verse 26, he says, but among you, it will be different. Somebody say, it should be different. It should be different with us, right? Because we are followers of Jesus. So among, among you, it will be different. He says, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Now, can we be honest and say that on the surface, that doesn't seem to make any sense whatsoever, uh, if someone wants to be a leader among you, you must be a servant. Uh, in the English Standard Version, it puts it this way. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And so he's saying that there's a greatness that is only attainable through service. Do you see how submission ties into this? Do you see how humility ties into this? And so submission works best when everyone is submitted to somebody, Right? Submission works best when we can submit to leaders who lead this way, as servant leaders. However, is submission something that's only applicable to those types of leaders? If that's the case, then it sure cloud things up, doesn't it? Because then it's a matter of opinion, and we're casting a lot of judgments on the people that have been placed in authority over our lives. And so does this mean we do whatever we're told by authority, unquestioned, no matter what? That's not really what submission means. Uh, submission doesn't mean that you don't use common sense, that you don't stick to your values and your morals, and uh, that you don't first submit to God. But what happens is we can't find, put ourselves in a situation where people are having to earn our uh, cooperation, trying to earn our respect. Uh, in verse 27, he says, whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave, for even the Son of Man 
came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. I, I, I don't think that can be overlooked. I think we need to really stop and think about that right there, that even the Son of Man, that's Jesus he's talking about, came not to be served, but to serve. He had every right to come and, and, and not lay aside his, his kingly um, advantages and, and things like that, but he willingly did that, and that was an act of submission by Jesus. And so, it, what is this promise here? It says, whoever wants to be great, whoever wants to be first, is this given out in just the next life after death as a reward? Is this, is this, is this, this is how I used to read this, honestly, is that if, if I submit to authority now, and if I, if I serve now, then in heaven I'll be like the top dog, right? Whoever's first will be last. But Charles Ellicott said this about it in his commentary. He says, we introduce a false antithesis if we assign the service to this life and the greatness as its reward to the life after death. The true teaching of the words, listen to this, guys, is that the greatness is the service. The greatness is the service. This is more than just... Um, living as a servant here on earth so that you'll be first in heaven. This, there's a greatness, there's a joy, there's a peace, there's a sense of purpose that is found within the serving, within taking a humble position and a submissive uh, a position. And so you see the submission is something that is not just for wives. Are we picking up on that already? It's not just for wives, but it's required of all of us in specific times and in specific circumstances. And so I feel like we need to bring back uh, an old practice before we go any further, uh, because we need to remember that if it's in this book, it's important. Amen? Okay, so I would like to invite you guys to stand with me and grab your Bible, or if you use the Bible app, you can grab your phone. And we're going to remind ourselves of what we hold in our hands here. And so if just hold it up high with me right here. And we're going to read this faith statement together on the screen. Are you ready? One, two, three. This is my Bible. It's God's word. When I read it and live it, I will become everything it says that I am. All right, you can be seated. I want to talk to you this morning and challenge you not to fear the S word. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, don't be afraid of the S word. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, not that S word. That's for the teenagers in the room. Their minds in the gutter. Just kidding. All right. So this morning, I want to discuss how submission can help restore health to your family. Uh, turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 5 again. We'll put it up on the screen. Before Paul gets into a teaching on husbands and wives, he makes a statement about submission leading into it. And so he's, he's coming out of um, uh, a different topic and then tying it in to marriage. And it's like verse 21 is sort of like a bridge to what he's about to be uh, talking about. 
And so previously in verses like 16 through 19, he's just talking about our conduct and not being foolish, but being wise and not wasting opportunities, not wasting our time, not acting thoughtlessly, not being drunk with wine, but instead being filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Um, Singing hymns and spiritual songs, all these things, and giving thanks to God for everything. He's talking about our conduct, and then he goes into verse 21, and he says, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so what I believe we're being shown here is that there are situations and circumstances where all of us must submit to another person, okay? And we'll get into this more next week, but there are even appropriate times. We're not talking about switching roles, right? But there's even appropriate times for a husband to submit to the wishes of his wife. Um, Not out of uh, a switching in roles, but out of love. And we'll get into that next week. But he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So that word submit, first of all, let's get the biblical definition in this context. It's to place or rank under, to subject into obey. So some of you are like, yeah, that's what I thought it meant, and that's why it bothers me so much, right? Some of you, it's bringing uh, some clarity to you. It's, it's, it's to place or rank under. But what it is, 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 is what's beautiful about the word submit is it's not Uh, being forcefully brought under the authority of someone else, but it's voluntarily bringing yourself under the authority of someone else. And when it's done in the right spirit, it's a powerful act, and we're going to talk about why. Let's look at the second part of that verse. It says to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Notice that it doesn't say out of recognition of your inferiority. It never says submit, uh, woman, because men are smarter and stronger, right? And we can argue about whether or not that's true. Um, I just know my wife's smarter than me in a lot of ways, so I'm just going to come out and say that, right? But it says submit out of reverence for Christ. What does reverence for Christ have to do with submitting to just another human being? Out of reverence for Christ. See, the motive behind submission is your reverence for Jesus Christ. Uh, Go ahead and write this down if you're taking notes. Our willingness to submit to one another is in proportion to the level of our reverence for Christ. Our willingness to submit to one another is in proportion to the level of our reverence for Christ. And so if we have a problem with authority in general... We have a problem with God. Let me say that again. If you have a hard time taking orders or taking instruction from your superiors in the workplace, if you're a child that has a problem obeying your parents, if you um, are a wife that struggles to submit to your husband's leadership, if you're a husband who's not submitted to God and, and not leading your home the way that you're supposed to, you don't just have a problem with authority, you have a problem with God. There's a lack of reverence. There's a lack of the healthy fear of God, the awe of God in your life. And it's something that will cause a lot of problems in you and in your family. 
Remember, uh, it was the last couple of weeks I made the statement that the cross removes all excuses to hold anything against anyone for any reason at any time, right? When we consider what it is that he did. But I want to tell you this morning that the cross also removes any excuse to not submit to those we're told to submit to, including God himself. See, there was only one path that would lead Jesus to the cross and make a way for salvation, and that was the path of submission, And so when we're told to submit to one another, it's so that our relationships with each other can mirror our relationship with God. And know this, that we are not being asked to do something that Jesus Christ himself did not do. I love that. It's what's so powerful about Jesus. It's not just his death and his resurrection, but his life is such a powerful example to us. Everyone must submit to somebody. In 1 Corinthians 11.3, Paul um, teaches us this. He says, but there's one thing I want you to know. Another one, in other words, he's like, you need to be clear on this because if you're not clear on this, you're going to be dysfunctional. He says, the head of every man is Christ, the head of a woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man and woman alike is under the same authority. Even Jesus placed himself under the Father's authority. And so this morning, I want to give you four ways that submission can restore health to your family. Are you ready? All right, start, to, start jotting down these notes. Number one is that submission can cultivate joy in your family. Submission can cultivate joy. Where am I getting that from? Okay, well, let's take a look at Hebrews 13, verse 17. It says, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give, will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Now, if he's saying that not submitting to authority is of no advantage to you, is he not also saying that to submit to authority is an advantage to you? And so right here, laced in this scripture, we're shown that there is a promise of an advantage accompanied with biblical submission. Now, there's no advantage to being a doormat. There's no advantage to, um, to just not having a spine. There's no advantage to not having opinion, uh, to, to never sharing what you feel or what you believe strongly in. But there is an advantage that comes to biblically submitting to the people we've been called to submit to. And he says here that... Um, Because our leaders keep watch over us, and you know that within the family we have a responsibility to keep watch over one another. It says, let them do this job, let them do this incredible weight and this credible burden that's been placed upon them with joy and not with groaning. If we are a source of sorrow for those who are in authority over us, then that is to our detriment. If you've ever served under a frustrated leader, you know it's not to your advantage, amen? Anybody ever serve under a frustrated leader, right? A leader who's upset with you, and uh, let's be honest, sometimes it can be no fault of your own, right? You're trying to do everything right, they're still frustrated with you, but you know it's of no advantage to cause that leader frustration. 
If you've ever been the child of a frustrated parent, how many of you know that that's not to your advantage? Um, If you've ever been the wife of a frustrated husband, how many of you know that's not to your advantage? If we are a source of joy, that is to the benefit of both us and our family. Charles Ellicott also said this. He said, if ye so live that they must watch over you, talking about the people in authority, with grief, this will both weaken their hands and bring on you the divine displeasure. That's a powerful statement. See, the way that you are functioning under those in authority over you will either weaken their leadership, weaken their ability to do what they've been called to do, or it will strengthen it. And as someone who is a source of joy, someone who is submitted, uh, creates much joy, which impacts the leader, the head of the household, and the whole family. And Third John one through four, or one, chapter one, verse four, he says, "I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth." Now, when he says children, he's just talking about the church. But I think we can definitely apply this to our families, right? How many parents would say, you have no greater joy than to know that your children are walking in truth? Amen? And it's a similar relationship there. In Proverbs 10.1, it says, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. You're either a source of gladness or sorrow. And submission is the difference between those two things. If no one's willing to submit within the family, then it leads to groaning and not joy. How many of you experienced some groaning in your houses, right? Some groaning in your families. We're not doing ourselves any favor by digging our heels in about it. We're not doing ourselves any favors by refusing to submit and demanding to have our way all the time. Number two, submission gains the respect of your family. This is one that's challenging for me. I've been, I think, pretty transparent about this in times past. But for me, a trigger for me that triggers my anger is when I feel disrespected. And that's difficult with children, right? And that's difficult, really, in any situation. There's going to be scenarios where you feel disrespected. And in those moments, I don't want to ever respond in submission to anyone, but I want to put my feet down, and what happens is pride rises up within me. And I believe today that for some of us, pride is getting in the way of healthy family. Pride has the opposite effect of submission. Pride says it's my way or the highway. Pride doesn't listen. Pride only shouts and gets louder. Uh, Pride is what we see demonstrated on social media when you have uh, two opposite sides of the political uh, spectrum uh, engaging in debate, when in all reality it's who can shout louder and who swings the first punch. That's pride. Pride accomplishes nothing except for destruction. Pride tears us apart. And if no one is willing to submit, if no one is willing to listen, uh, even when they feel like they already know they're right, if no one takes that submissive approach, then no progress is ever made. And Satan is using pride to rip our families apart. In James 4, verses 7 and verse 10, 
He says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. I said it earlier, at our table, we made the connection between humility and submission. Uh, So often we are quick to just talk about the idea of resisting the devil so he'll flee, but we forget that we're supposed to be submitted completely to God. And in that submission to God, there will be times when the Holy Spirit will tug upon your heart and say, you know what, this battle's not worth fighting. It's okay to let them have their way right now. You might be right, but maybe it's better they learn from their mistake here. You might be right, but maybe it's more important to be right in the relationship right now. A humble position is the first step to overcoming Satan's attacks against your family. Any response to the enemy's attack on your family that comes from a place of pride or control will only strengthen his power over your home. And I'd like to tell you that I've never made that mistake, but time and time again, I fall into the area of pride and control, and I make things worse. 1 Peter 2.12, Peter says, Be careful to live properly among the un- your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior, and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. See, true respect comes from submitting to God. And when God is honored in your life and in the presence of your family, then your family will honor God. And likewise, they will honor the man that honors God. Men, if you want your families to respect you, first and foremost, honor God. Honor God. Let them see you elevating him above your life, elevating him above your pride, elevating him above your preferences, elevating him above your annoyances and the things that bother you and the things that cause you to lose your temper. Let your family see you constantly elevating God above every circumstance and every situation. Peter goes on to say in 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. See, it's only the mighty power of God that can restore our families, amen? It's the power of God that's going to piece back together what was broken, but it only works properly if we place ourselves underneath it. But when we start to believe it's our power and it's our will that's going to fix things, then we fall right into the enemy's trap. God only exalts those who are submitted and humble. It's written right there in black and white. And yet we waste so much effort trying to elevate ourselves in the minds of our families sometimes. And when we do that, all it does is cause chaos. The only healthy way to be exalted is from a position that forever remains under God. Now, I was made um, infamous for uh, an illustration a few years ago where I brought in some weights, and you've heard me talk about this before, right? And I was talking about humility in that message, and of course, I blew out my knee in front of everybody, and it was crazy. Um, You can watch it online if you have a morbid sense of humor, right? But I grew up um, in in, uh, Payson, Arizona, went to high school, and I was in this weights class, and we had Coach Perch for our instructor for our instructor, and he was teaching us how to do deadlifts or power cleans, one of the two, and he would just, he had this mantra because he knew how dangerous this could be and how much you could injure yourself if you do this exercise the wrong way. I remember dealing with a lot of weight here. And so he would walk around and he would just constantly go, head up, butt down, knees bent. That's exactly how we sounded. 
I think it's actually, if you knew him, you'd be like, that's spot on. <laughs> Head up, butt down, knees bent. And literally, if, there would be some goofy freshman, right, who's never taken weights class before, and he'd bend over and he'd grab the bar like this, and he'd be like, uh, right? And tell me how silly that looks with me sticking my butt up in the air, right? How foolish do I look? Do, do I look like someone who's going to gain the respect of my classmates by doing this? Are you guys like, wow, that guy knows what he's doing? Or are you saying he looks foolish? And so um, he would freak out. And so if he saw somebody with their butt elevated above their head, he'd be like, get your butt down, get your butt down. And he would yell at them um, because he knew that if they were to complete that motion, something bad's going to happen. So he'd yell at them. I want to tell you this morning that there's some of us that are so full of pride and God just wants to say, get your butt down because you are out of position. And this is how silly and foolish we look when we don't live under any kind of submission or any kind of authority. Let me ask you men in the room, who can speak truthfully into your life? Who have you given permission to tell you the hard truth even if it hurts your feelings? Who, who's that spiritual authority that can come up to you and say, what in the world are you doing with your life? Get your stuff together. If you, don't, if you can't name that person, I want to tell you, chances are you've got your butt up in the air. And you need to get your butt down. And you need to place yourself and humble yourself under the mighty power of God. And that is how you will lead your families towards healing. But when we try to elevate ourselves, not only do we look foolish, but we, it leads to injury, both to ourselves and to our family unit. But when we elevate Christ, it's like using proper form. See, that weight is meant to be above my center of gravity and, and elevated above my head. And if I do it the correct way, then what happens? I become stronger. I improve my physical form and my abilities. And it's the same way in Christ Jesus when we follow him and we elevate him above everything else in our lives, it makes us stronger, it makes us better leaders, it heals our families. In time, we will be exalted in the eyes of those around us and in our families because God remains exalted above us, and that's the only way it's going to happen. Number three, submission influences your family. I think that's so important to understand this morning, church. Submission influences your family, because we think of submission as a position of weakness, where we're just letting everyone else win, and we're doing nothing to impact our family, when in reality, submission is a very powerful position of influence. In 1 Peter 3, 1, he says, Likewise, wives, picking on wives again, I'm sorry, ladies, be subject to your own husbands, but this is the part I'm trying to point out, so that even if some do not obey the word, you thought you had a loophole, and then Peter goes out and says something like this. So that even if some do not obey the word, hold on a second, is Peter really telling wives to submit to ungodly husbands? What in the world could he possibly be thinking? Let me finish his thought. So that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of, 
of their wives. Submission invites the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do. See, when we're not submitted, we step in the way of what God is trying to do. We get our butt in the way, right? <laughs> and that, that's, that, that has a double-sided meaning, right? Because we, we use the word but. I know I should do this, but them, but they, but he, but she, but my kids, but my wife, but what does that have to do with anything that God has called you to do? So we often think, and I want you to focus on this phrase here. It says, without a word. Somebody say, without a word. What Peter's suggesting is that a submissive wife in this context has great power and influence. That their conduct can do something that their words cannot. Let me say that again. Your conduct can do something that your words cannot. And in this scenario, it's win your husbands to Christ. How powerful is that? See, words might win an argument, and you can write this down too. Words might win an argument, but our conduct will capture their heart. Words might win an argument, but our conduct will capture their heart. Um, here at the fountain, our vision statement is capturing the heart of our city for Christ. And we believe that that's possible because it's not done in words alone. Otherwise, it would just all be like, how good are Pastor Joe's sermons? And let me tell you right now, if we're just depending on Pastor Joe's sermons to grow the kingdom, we're in trouble, okay? But we firmly believe that we can live and conduct our lives in such a way within this community that it connects others to God, the church, and their purpose and will ultimately capture their hearts but here's what happens so many times in families is we will let our family's use of our past keep us from changing our conduct. Some of you, I said that, and as soon as I said that, you know exactly where I, where I was going and what I meant. I have been raising these children since they were born, and now they're 17, 16 years old. And so if I, as the head of the household, start to suddenly try to act like I'm a godly man and lead, then I'm going to get more eye rolls than normal for a teenager. Because they're going to be like, I know who you really are. Like, you're, sit, you're trying to act like you're this calm, godly man, but guess what? If I push your button, you're going to flip out and punch a hole in the wall, you know, whatever the scenario may be. And they know who you were. And as far as they're concerned, that's still who you are. So oftentimes what we'll do, and this goes for everyone in the family, kids, wives, moms, um, what happens is we will not make the change because we feel like it's not going to be received by the people that know us the most. So we're like, why even try? And so what it leads to is Christians who compartmentalize their faith. They're great with other people. They're patient with unbelievers. Um, when they come to church, they're great to work with. And when they go home, they're tearing their families apart because they allow their past to dictate their future. They allow their opinions of the people in their family to keep them from changing their conduct. Write this down in your notes, please. The full power of our conduct is harnessed through consistency and perseverance. 
There will come a time when you refuse to quit. There will come a time when you refuse to give up, where again and again and again you make one right choice after another that your family will not be able to deny the change that has taken place in your heart. But what does that mean? That means when I try to put the right foot forward, but I accidentally put the left foot forward, that it isn't the end of my journey. But I try again, and I say, okay, next time I'm going to make one right choice after another. The next time the scenario comes, I'm going to do what God has told me to do. And when I stumble and when I fall and I fail to represent Christ to my family and to my children, then what I do is I repent And I say, I goofed up there. That's not how I've been called to live. That doesn't accurately reflect the change that is taking place in my heart. And I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that my conduct aligns with what God has placed inside of me. And it's a decision that we have to make again and again and again. And if you mess up, get up. If you fall down, get up again. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ, not just a man, but a follower of Jesus. Kids, you're in here, you're 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, and you're doing the same thing over and over again, and you're driving your parents crazy, and you're allowing that devil, that snake, that liar to tell you this is who you are. You're going to commit the same mistake over and over again, so why even try? But the grace of God covers us and gives us the ability to say, you know what, I may have messed up a hundred times, but today I receive God's grace, and in his mind it's as this, I have never sinned. He's washed my slate clean, and so I have the freedom to make the right choice. I have the freedom to step in the right direction. I'm not going to allow my past mistakes to keep me bound anymore, and it's okay to focus on doing what pleases God without finding some way to erase what you've done in the past because that part can only be done by a Savior and it's already been done for you. I'd like to invite Rochelle to come as we close here with the fourth point is that biblical submission disarms hostile attitudes. Talk about power. If you could just imagine with me someone storming into your home uh, fully loaded with weapons, coming to kill, steal, and destroy, and you have the ability to do something that rips those weapons right out of their hands, that, that empties their pockets of all ammunition and takes all their weapons and strips them from her hands. That You'd say that's pretty powerful, right? Well, Scripture teaches us that submission has that power. Uh, We talked just a few weeks ago about how Proverbs says a gentle answer turns away wrath, right? It's kind of along those same lines, but in 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 13, it says, For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority. You see the, the broad application of this term submit? And if it's that broad, and if it includes all of us, my hope and my prayer this morning is that that'll cause some of us to Put our guard down and allow the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do. Show you where you need to submit. Show you where you need to lay down your pride. Show you where you need some humility so that your family and you yourself can heal. But submission disarms hostile attitudes. He says, submit to all human authority, whether the king is head of the state or the officials he has appointed, for the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It is God's will 
that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves, so don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. How do we disarm hostile attitudes through submission? Let me just give you a few practical examples and we'll close. Hey kids, everyone under the age of 18, how you guys doing? Are you with me? If you have a parent that's acting very hostile towards you, you know, you know what hostile means? Like they're really angry, sometimes even antagonistic, right? Where it, it, you almost, you, have, you ever had that conversation with your parent where you feel like they're trying to get you to mess up so they can go off on you? You can't raise your hand, you'll get in trouble, right? If you have a parent that's hostile towards you, but your response to them is to chest up and be like, I'm not gonna listen to you because you shouldn't be treating me like that. Here's the deal. You might be right. They shouldn't approach you maybe in that tone or maybe it's um, unwarranted aggression. But if you chest up because you feel mistreated, then all you're doing is egging them on. You're adding fuel to the fire. But what if I told you that you have within you the power to bring peace to that situation, that you can disarm your parents with a gentle answer. You can disarm your parents by expressing humility, by acknowledging that the feelings and the emotions they have are very real. Even though they might be powerful and maybe overblown uh, to to the situation, but by you acknowledging that what they feel is real and is intense, and by showing humility, admitting that maybe you had just a little bit of something to do with it, you have the ability to disarm that parent and bring peace to the situation. Is that too much to ask of children? Maybe, but I, I know this, that the same Holy Spirit that lives in me lives in you. And if you can learn to walk in the spirit now, oh man, you're setting yourself up so a much better family life. Parents, there's never really an appropriate time for you to ever submit to your children's authority. However, can we submit to their preferences at times? How many of you say, oh, I already do that, you know? Like sometimes I do what they wanna do because I love them. Anybody? No parents do that? <laughs> okay, there's a few of you. Different altar call later. Um, Sometimes submitting to our kids is choosing our battles. Like maybe not going on and on and flipping out on them because um, they put the toothpaste on the toothbrush before they run it under the water and you run it under the water, then add the toothpaste, right? It's a silly example, right? But there's things like that that will really engage and become combative with our children in We can give preference to our children out of love without spoiling them. It doesn't happen all the time, but the Holy Spirit speaks to us and says, is this a battle you really need to fight? Is this worth robbing your home of peace? Maybe it's your adult children. I mean, you got adult children today, right? Maybe you have conversations with them and it's like you're not super happy with what they're doing, but deep down you know, it's not a matter of life and death or heaven or hell. And so you just say, you know what? I'm gonna let it go. It's an example of submitting so that the relationship stays whole. 
You can empower your kids to begin to think through natural consequences of actions. Like, if you do that, what do you think is going to happen? You can give them opportunities to experience consequences when it's safe. Like, you know what? I can tell you not to do this because I know it's going to end bad, but maybe it's actually okay if I let it end bad because it'll hurt, but you'll be okay and you'll learn from it. Maybe you can give them choices because every child wants to feel like they have some sense of control. So it's like, do you want to do this or do you want to do that? Husbands and wives, listen, wives submitting out of respect for their husbands, not out of a sense of inferiority, but just like I recognize that as a man, God has put it upon your heart to lead in some capacity. And I want to empower you to do that. And so even though I see all your weaknesses and I fear that if I completely handed everything over that our household would fall apart, let me find ways that I can empower you to lead, where I can invite you to make the decision, where I can invite you to lead us in this area. Husbands, choosing to submit to your wives out of love, maybe out of humiliation, maybe out of recognizing she's better at that than I am. So I'd like you to take the lead on this, this right here. Not switching roles of who's the head of the household, just recognizing that she might have strengths that you don't have. Maybe it's recognizing that she feels really strong about something. And you've determined in your heart that it would do more harm than good to dig your heels in. And just like, you know what, I love you. I don't wanna waste my life with you arguing all the time. Like, you wanna paint the kitchen purple? Let's paint the kitchen purple. I can live with it as long as I know you're happy. Some of these are silly examples, but the point I'm trying to make is that submission is powerful. Submission is healing. And if we're led by the Holy Spirit, we'll know when and how to submit. And we're going to get into specifics moving forward. But I just want us to be able to come to grips with what submission is. So I want to invite you guys to stand with me and we'll close with this and just a reminder, we're trying a new order of our gathering today, and then we'll still have an opportunity to hear about upcoming events and a time to give in the offering. But um, this morning, I just want to invite you as the team leads us to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you about an area of your life that you need to submit. Maybe it's something you need to submit to God. Maybe it's a person in your life that you feel like biblically you should submit to that person. Maybe it's a boss who, like, you think that they um, are one fry short of a Happy Meal. But God says the most powerful thing you can do is empower them as a leader and submit to them. And God will give you wisdom in that, but he'll also honor you in that submission. Submitting out of love when led by the Holy Spirit. This morning, I want to give you an opportunity to come forward as God convicts you and to just kneel at the front. Because what I think is important for us to understand this morning, church, is that this, this is not a sign of weakness. Let's put it this way. If this was not a sign of weakness, you better believe this is not a sign of weakness. I believe God wants to speak to some of you to get rid of some pride and to come here and kneel and say, God, take this. I'm going to step into obedience. 
and I'm going to watch you do a miracle in my life and my family's life through submission. And so if that's you, I just invite you to come forward as the team plays. And in a few moments, we'll transition into our time of giving. So please come as the Lord leads.
Amen. God works in different ways in our lives. And today, we have learned a new meaning of submission. Submit. Amen. Let's practice that in our lives, in our daily lives with our family, husbands, wives, sons, daughters. Because that's what God teaches us to do. Amen. You may be seated. I know it goes from sit down for a couple of minutes and then we go up again to pray. But it always helpful. It's helpful to have some exercises, right? <laughs> um, we have some opportunities this weekend. What we have this weekend. Anybody know what we have in Saturday? Pursuit. Right? Sunday. I'm sorry, Sunday, Sunday. I was Sunday, pursuit. This is a good way for us to come in and sing and praise the Lord and surrender to his worship. Amen. Yes, amen. So there is still an opportunity to have a rehearsal. And join the choir. When is the when is the rehearsal? Thursday. So you are welcome if you want to join in. Talk to this young lady right here. You know. And uh, share that opportunity in your life to worship the great almighty God. Amen. So uh, at 6 p.m. When? Sunday. I know it's not a normal service for us. But just put that on your calendar. The last few pursuits we have done is beautiful because you have the opportunity to worship God with all your heart and drop everything in his feet so he could bless you in a miracle way in your life. Amen. Next, we have another opportunity to enter in our spiritual life. Reset. All right, I want to hear that. Reset. Woo! I experienced it a year ago. Last year, some of you guys experienced that opportunity. And if you have not 
have that opportunity to come to Reset, I will really, really beg you to join in for that opportunity in your life. You will come out as a new man and as a new woman, right? Amen. Some of us have encountered that experience. I surrendered here two years ago. Well, a year and a half ago, two years ago. I surrendered in this, in this church for that opportunity on Reset. So it's Friday the 15th and Saturday the 16th of September. So put that on your calendars if you want to join in. Reset. Rooted. I want to hear rooted groups, live groups. Woo! We're having a new rooted group soon. And guess what? It's going to be a Saturday. Woo! From 10 o'clock to noon. And there's another good news about that. There will be daycare, child care, sorry, day, child care for you to join the opportunity to be on a rooted group. The pastor will be here. If you guys have information, you're welcome to come to him or just go in our website and, our, and get, get all that information. So child will be provided. Child care will be provided for those that want to join in. Amen. Now we go into another opportunity. And I'll beg you to stand up for me. And it's for offering. That's another opportunity for us to get together. To join the forces of giving. Amen. Sometimes we cannot, we cannot uh, reach different situations there is going on in the world, in our church, in our community. By us joining and offering and give to the church, that need is meet. And there's three ways to do it. It is right there. One is online at the Fountain app, the website. The other one is a weekly offering on the buckets. And if we're not used to it, I know it's pretty hard for some of us. The buckets are behind, in the back, and on your way out. Just put your offering there, and I know it's a new transition. And the third one is right there, the address. If you want to mail in, and for those that are in the Internet, on YouTube, on Facebook, or whatever, you could join in by doing that. Amen? Let's pray. And whatever you have already to give, give it to God because he will multiply it a million times to reach whatever it needs to be reached in his community. Father, thank you for this opportunity. Father, thank you for giving us the opportunity to, to worship you by giving to your kingdom. Thank you, God, that sometimes we just cannot reach. But you have said that we are your feet. We are your arms. We are your voice. We are your eyes. We are your body. And we could go beyond the expectations of human mind by giving an offering. For those that can give, Father, we ask 